uh, first off to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Familiar passage to everybody I know. We're going to get our beginnings here. We're going to jump back and forth here just a little bit. So we are we are going to end up in 1 Peter chapter 15, uh, chapter 1. First Peter, if you find 1 Peter 15, uh, I don't know, I'll have a prize for you or something. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16 will make our uh, way there. Tell you what. Did you find First Peter? Let's let's read that those few verses there, and then we'll go back. Keep your finger in Isaiah chapter six. Don't miss that one, and then we'll come back and forth here. Okay. If you let's let's begin reading First Peter chapter one, and uh, begin reading verse thirteen. <laughs> the Bible says, "Wherefore gird up the loins of your mind." Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times, uh, for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Now, Father, would you help us tonight as we look at your word? You have a, something specific for us tonight, and uh, Lord, we need to learn this. And so we ask by your Holy Spirit that you would illuminate your word tonight, that you would teach us your word tonight. And Lord, as your Holy Spirit uh, just... Uh, impresses your word upon our heart. Uh, Lord, as you show us the areas of our life that need to come in line with your word, I pray that we'd be quick and ready uh, to make those changes and whatever you'd have us to do. Lord, we lift up all of those that aren't here tonight, so many that are sick. We think of Audra, we think of Barbara, we think of Brother Chuck Peace. Uh, uh, Lord, we, uh, we, we think of uh, some of the others. So we think of Hutter, we think of Zach and Lord, we just lift all of these up to you tonight and ask you to heal bodies and restore their health and bring them back to us, if you would, please. And Lord, we just uh, just pray for all of the things that are going on in people's lives. We think of Brother Martin and, and uh, needing to get that MRI and Brother Neil and his hip and uh, Judy and Jana that aren't here tonight and they're back and the back problems there. We just pray, Lord, you do a work physically on your people. And, uh, Lord, that uh, those that aren't able to be here would be able to be back again. And, uh, Lord, we uh, pray for the services this Sunday. We pray for uh, soul winning out on Saturday, that you'd help us to get in the front of those that so desperately need the gospel. And uh, you would uh, just bless that time for us, please. 
And Lord, we thank you for all those that are here tonight. We just pray you'd bless in a special way and meet with us in a special way tonight that we would leave here uh, just uh, glad and rejoicing that we took the time and put the time aside uh, to leave our homes and to get on, into a car on a dark night and, and come to your house and listen to your word. And we pray that we'd leave here rejoicing in this time. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we've been looking at First uh, Peter, and uh, really the opening here of First Peter, we've been reminded that life is hard, amen? Life is tough. Uh, we, we think of all of the things that we go through in life. I mean, we, we go through the testings of God that God allows into our life to mold us and to make us and to purge us and to get things out of our life. We live through hard times in our life. When we watch things like family walk away from the Lord and watch children make bad decisions, when you, when you watch finances, as Solomon said, make, take wings and fly away. How many have watched their money do that? You've done your taxes and you've said, there's no way this type of money came into the house because there certainly isn't that much that's left. Amen? I mean, some of you have been there and the finances and the, the health struggles and the, just the overall struggles and the stresses of life that we live through. And as long as we are breathing, as long as we are living on this planet, we are going to experience struggles and trials and tribulations in this life. And if we're not careful... They will get a hold of us and, 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 and bring us to a place of just a sour a Christian, an unhappy life, a, a life that is, it is marked by uh, frowns and not smiles. And I'm not minimizing trials because we've all been through them. And there is a time when you just can't put a smile on and it's just not appropriate. I understand that. But sometimes we can allow the things in life to rule us like God never intended them to. You know what I'm talking about? They can just take over our life and, and, and ruin us into a place that God never intended. And as Peter is saying here, it is possible to rejoice in hard times. That doesn't make sense. And when we're going through the hard times, we don't like to ponder that. Sometimes we like to just Focus on the hard times. I, there's other issues, obviously. Sometimes people just love to grouse in their troubles, and they don't want out of them at all. They just they find power in that, and and they find uh, not just power, but they they but but they find enablement to live a life contrary to the Word of God. Right? If they don't, if they if they can say, well, this is this my life's just terrible, and this is what I have. Well, you know, sometimes they don't even want it better because. Now they can live in, a, in an unbiblical way. But listen, if we're going to rise above the turmoil in life, we saw last week that we need to change our thinking. We need to have biblical thinking. We need to think rightly about the things that we have in Christ Jesus. How is it possible to rejoice in hard times? Well, it's possible to rejoice in hard times when we turn our mind back to the truth of the Word of God. If you are here tonight, saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you are in Christ, if you are elect in the Lord Jesus Christ, hey, listen, you have something to rejoice about. 
Hey, your name is written in heaven. It can never be taken away, right? Uh, we have been begotten, the Bible says, begotten just as Jesus is the only begotten of the Father. We have been begotten unto a lively hope, not a dead hope, but a lively hope that is eternal in the heavens. We have an inheritance that is reserved in heaven. Uh, I tell you, it's nice to live in this world with an inheritance. It's nice to know that you're, you're a trust fund baby and you can look at the, you can uh, uh, look at the, uh, the, the, the uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know what it is because I'm not a trust fund baby. The, the, uh, the, the amount, right? You can look at the bank statement and you can see that, that, that amount of money rolling and rolling and rolling. And that kid can look at that and think, and you know, five more years, four more years, three more years, two more years. I'm 18 next year. I'm 21, whatever it is. And that money is mine. And boy, some people get pretty excited about that. I think I would too. I'm not going to begrudge them of that. But you know what? If you don't have an inheritance on this planet, can I tell you what? You have an inheritance in heaven that fadeth not away. Amen. That nobody can take from you because anybody who would want to take it from you can't get there to get it. Amen. And we have these things that we ought to talk about. Hey, we are kept by the power of God. I like that. We are kept by, why? Because he says so. Do you realize that all of this universe is held together by the power of his word? Everything is held together because, watch, God said so. I like that. And you know what? We are, we are complete in Christ and we are, listen, we are preserved in Jesus Christ. Why? How? That's the word, how? Because he said so. He's going to present us faultless before the throne someday as, as chaste virgins of Christ. He's going to present us white as snow. And know what else? We can think of these things, but listen, sometimes you know what we need to think about? We can watch the world situation. We can watch what's going on in Israel. We can see what's going on in the Middle East. We can see what Iran is, is threatening to do. And you know what comes to our mind as a child of God? This same Jesus who you saw ascend is coming in like manner. He's coming back. He's coming for his own. Hey, we're going to be caught up one of these days very soon. And forever we shall be with the Lord. And I'm telling you, then you know what? It gets even better than that. You know what you can think about? We're going to come back in the, in, in, the, in, the, in the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to rule and reign with him for a thousand years on this planet. I believe that literally is going to happen. And so we don't always remember these great truths when we're going through the deep valleys. But if we would, listen, if we would learn to turn our mind there, we could, we could rise above the turmoil of this life and we could, we could live in some victory, watch, even though everything around us is falling apart. Absolutely. Yeah. Can I tell you, you're never going to rise above, the, above the, 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 the turmoil of this life if you're constantly remembering your past. Paul said in Philippians 3.13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, forgetting them, and reaching forth unto those things that are before. He said, I forget. I have a cousin who was, uh, who, who was within a very elite military service for 20 years, Navy SEAL. 
and uh, a lot of people talk about uh, PTSD and some of the struggles that they that they have of being in the military and being in war and being in combat areas and not to minimize what people go through. But he said, I've never dealt with that. I've I've never had that problem. I I, I know guys that have. I've I have served with guys that got out of the military early because of an event and they couldn't mentally handle it. He says, but I've never done that. And he said this, un unbeknown, I don't think he realized what he was saying really. He says, maybe I'm strange, maybe I have a problem mentally. He goes, but I've just chosen not to think about those things. I said, well, actually, that's quite biblical, <laughs> right? Paul said, forgetting those things. Hey, listen, you're gonna never, you will never rise above your past. You will never rise above the turmoil of this life if you continue uh, dwelling in your past. Hey, listen, forget it and move on, right? Hey, you're never going to get victory on a day-to-day -day basis if your mind isn't settled on the Lord on a daily basis. Isaiah 26, 3, he says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, watch, whose mind is stayed on thee. Why is your mind stayed on the Lord? Because you, he goes on, because he trusteth in thee, the Bible says. Hey, listen, day-to-day, moment-by-moment, stayed upon Jehovah, right? I love that hymn. And uh, perfect rest is promised to those that are stayed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You will never maintain an attitude of victory and joy if you don't meditate, not on, if you don't learn to get rid of your past, if you don't learn to meditate on the Lord Jesus Christ on a daily, daily basis. And watch this thirdly, you will never maintain an attitude of victory and joy if you don't meditate on what is to come. And we already talked about that. So our text gave us a, 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 a remedy for this in verse 13. Gird up the loins of your mind, right? Pull up all the extra, get it out of the way and tie it out of the way and watch. Be sober, be sober, wake up and think about things that are right. Yeah. If you're going to make it through the things of life, you've got to have biblical thinking. If you're going to make it through the turmoil, you have to have a biblical thinking so you can have biblical actions. Right. Remember Daniel? Remember those three Hebrew children? Remember they're standing before Nebuchadnezzar because they wouldn't bow? Nebuchadnezzar's furious. They're, he's furious. And he brings them before them. And listen to what they say. You remember this. He said, they said, you talk about great thinking and, and proper thinking in the trials. He says, if it, they said, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. Watch. And he will deliver us. They didn't say out of the fiery furnace. He, they said, they, and he, they, he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. You, what, what were they confident of in their thinking? God was going to deliver them. If it wasn't out of the fiery furnace and they died in it, they were going to be delivered out of, uh, out of Nebuchadnezzar's hand and he'd have no more control over them because they'd be in the presence of, of God, right? He says, but if not, let it be known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy God nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Well, they rose above, they rose above the problems in their life. Why? Because they had right thinking. They had right thinking. They knew who God was and they went back to who he was and they said, nope, we're going to live this way. Thinking. Well, it brings us to the next place tonight of being victorious when life is at its worst. 
And I want to show you this here tonight about the holiness of God. We don't spend enough time on God's holiness. It's one of those subjects when you do finally come to a place of meditating, it's overwhelming. It's an overwhelming thought. The word holy means to separate or to set apart. To separate, to set apart. God is completely separate from his creation. He is completely set apart from the universe and all of his creation. He is nothing like his creation. God told Israel at one point, I can't find the reference for you, so this week you're going to go home and look it up. He said, thou thoughtest that I was altogether as thyself. He told Israel, you thought, he said, you thought I was just like you. He said, I'm not. I'm not. Over, over in, uh, in, in, in Ecclesiastes, the preacher there, Solomon, said, uh, made a great statement when he said, God is in heaven and we are on earth. There is a separation between us and God. We are not like Him. And, and it grieves me and it makes me angry really to hear people talk about the man upstairs. And, the, and, and, and God, I just I had to have a little chat with the man upstairs. Friend, He is a holy God. He is a righteous God. He is separate from you and I. And it would do, it would do us well not to have, the, have, have us, uh, a vocabulary with our heavenly, holy God like we have with everybody else. But He is holy and separate and set apart from His creation. There's nothing like unto our God. And, and God gave us a glimpse of His holiness. And He gave us a glimpse of how set apart He really is. And we see this in Isaiah chapter 6. I know we are well acquainted with this chapter. It is a powerful chapter uh, on, on the holiness of God. And if you'll notice here in chapter 6 and verse 1, it begins with him saying, In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord high, and uh, also the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And he started by saying that the year the king Uzziah died. King Uzziah was really a good king in Israel. He really, really was. But the Bible says he became lifted up. And he became strong. And he became lifted up with pride. And that pride caused him to go to a place that he had no jurisdiction and no authority to go to. And what he did is he walked into the temple one day. And he took the, the censer. <clears throat> and he began to want to uh, burn incense unto God. Well, he, when he went to do this, Azariah and 80 priests withstood the king. They came out in front of him and they said, no, you cannot do this. This is not right for you to do. Why? Because this is only the, the office work of the, of the temple was only for the, the, the priesthood. It was only for the lineage of, of the sons of Aaron. They were, the Bible says, they alone were consecrated to do this work. It's interesting that word consecrated means, in one, in one way, it means to be made holy. To, they were set apart. They, they, they were separated for this work. Nobody else was allowed to do it. And Uzziah, although he was a good king and a great king, he got lifted up with pride and he came to a place that was not for him. He was not separated for this role. It was the, it was the lineage and the sons of Aaron. So what happened was Uzziah got mad because the priest had the, had the gall Right? And the holy fortitude to get in front of him said, no, you can't do this. 
And as he lifted up that censer to do it anyway, God smote him with, with leprosy. And they, they saw him. The leprosy came, began to come out on his, on his body. And immediately, the Bible says, they thrust him out of the temple and they closed the doors. And the Bible said that for the rest of his days, Uzziah lived in what the Bible calls a several house. He was quarantined until the day he died. And his son uh, essentially ran the kingdom uh, for his father like a designated hitter in baseball. That's the best illustration I could come up with. His son took over uh, for Uzziah, and, but he died. He died a leper. He died trying to usurp the, the holiness of that position of a priest in the, in the temple of God. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah says... It is a stark contrast to, uh, it is a stark contrast to the holiness of God. In the year the King Uzziah died, it is a stark contrast to, the, the holiness of God is a stark contrast to Uzziah who deemed himself holy enough to offer incense unto God, right? Here's Uzziah who thought he was, he, he was enough because he was king and because he was powerful and because he was somewhat godly. He thought he could usurp this authority and this holiness. And, and in the very contrast of that, Isaiah saw God. Look what he says here. In the year that King Uzziah died, this king who lifted himself up to where he shouldn't have been. This king who placed him in a place, himself in a place of holiness who was not. In contrast to Uzziah, the complete opposite of this, Isaiah said, I saw God. He said, I, I saw also the Lord, that L-O-R-D there, Adonai. Adonai, the Lord Jesus Christ. You think, what, that was the Lord Jesus Christ? Hey, John 12, verses 37 through 42, we see here, that he saw the Lord on the throne. He saw the Lord Jesus Christ. You can go back and look that up this week in John chapter 12. He said, I saw also the Lord Adonai. He said, high and lifted up. Notice what he has seen. He has seen God above everything. That word holy, that word separate, that word uh, there above everything else. Everything is below him. He is high and he is lofty in his place. He said, I saw God in the year the King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Notice what it says here next. His train filled the temple. The, 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 the position and the might of a king was, was found was, was illustrated in the length of his train, of his robe. And the Bible says here that his train filled the temple. There was, listen, there was nothing, there was no floor space left in the temple for any more uh, train. What does it mean? He is king of kings and he is lord of lords. There is none above him. There is none greater than him. Hey, let me show you something else. I think this is a great application to, to mean in our own personal life is that there should be no room in our life for anything else. There is no room in that, in that throne room. There is no room in that temple for anything else, for anybody else, for anyone else, because nobody was as high as God. Nobody was as, as, as elevated as God. And listen, there should be nobody else in our life that has that place either. 
right? High and lifted up. His train filled the temple. Yeah. There is no room for anyone else's train. Why? Because they couldn't match up to our God. Yeah. God says, I know of no other. Right? Watch this. God is omniscient. What's that mean? He's all-knowing. He said, if there were someone else, I would know it. <laughs> and he says, I don't know it. Let me show you this. Nobody else has stepped up to claim the rightful place anyway. Do you think if there was another God by now, they wouldn't have come along and said, all right, take a, take a hike. You, you know, I'm the one, not you. Get out of here. Right. No, nobody has done this. Nobody has done this. Look at this, what he goes on to say. This is what Isaiah has seen. I saw also the Lord high. I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. Watch, it's building and it's building and it's building. Above it, above the throne, it, it stood the seraphims. Now notice it doesn't say how many. It doesn't say one or two. Obviously, it's more than two, or at least more than one, because they're speaking one to another. He said, above him were the seraphims. Could be multitudes upon multitudes upon multitudes above the throne. These seraphims here, that word seraphim has, a, has an inference to a fire. To fire. These angels of fire. I wonder what that looked like. Possibly some might think the color, more of a color of brass the fire. I'm telling you, it's only said of these seraphims here where they are above the throne. Somebody has said the closer you get to the throne of God, the more on fire you get for Him. You can't come away from the presence of God without burning, without, being, without knowing that you've been in His presence. Friend, you know when you've been in the presence of God. You know it. And here are these angels, these seraphims, and the Bible says they have six wings. Two upon their face that cover their face. Two that they fly with and two that cover their feet. Two that cover their face because no man can look upon God. Right? No man can look upon God and live. Do you know we're going to get a new body one day that we can look on him. We're going to get new eyes someday that wouldn't get burned out by the brightness and the fire of God. But these angels don't have that. They can't look upon God. They have two wings to fly. I think this is interesting because you think about this, at no time in eternity will their feet touch a ground. What, 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 what do I think about this? I think that there's no time in eternity that their job will ever cease to be. They will forever stand around the throne of God with the wings moving. And think of the sound. Uh, over in Revelation, we get a little glimpse of the sound of that, of those wings that are, <clears throat> that are constantly moving above the throne of God. That they, they rest not, the Bible says, day or night. They never stop. Their job never comes to an end. Why? Because our God is eternal and he will never cease to be holy. Notice what they say. There's, there's two feet that cover, their, that cover their feet because, listen, human feet have walked on unholy ground. Moses came to the burning bush and God said, take your, feet, your shoes off, Moses, because you're on holy ground. Their feet needed to be covered. There's other things and implications here we don't have time to get into. But they have, they have a voice of man. And the Bible says here they cry to one another. What is it that they cry? Watch this. For all of eternity, they never rest. They never stop. The wings never stop. They never leave the throne room. They never leave the presence of the God. They never leave the throne. And for all of eternity, they will cry, Holy, Holy, Holy. Holy. 
holy, back and forth to one another. Holy, 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 holy. Look at what it, what it says here. The, the holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Look at this. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy. It's still going on. We can't hear it tonight, but it's going on. It has always gone on and it always will go on. They will pronounce, they will proclaim, they will lift up the holiness of God. Holy, holy, holy. Past, present, future. Why do they say it three times? Revelation 1.8, remember when John said Jesus saw Jesus, what did he say? I am Alpha Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, watch, which is and was and which is to come. Holy past, holy present, holy future, he always shall be. Know what else it means? It means this, not, not past, present, and future, but watch this. Holy, holier, holiest. God is holy, yes, but, and he is holier than anything, yes, and he is the holiest of all. This is what they proclaim. This is what they proclaim. Completely set apart, more set apart, the most set apart of anything that is. And this is what they cry. This is God's primary attribute, his holiness. Can I tell you of all of his attributes, if God were not holy, he could be nothing else. If he were not holy, he could not love. Though his attribute, one of his attributes is love. God is love. Amen. And we love that. But if he were not holy, he could not be love. If God were not holy, he could not be omnipotent, all-knowing, or all-powerful. If he were not uh, holy, he could not be omnipresent everywhere at once. If he were not holy, he could not be, he could not be omniscient. He could not be all-knowing. If God were not holy, he could not be wrath. Hey, if God were not holy, he could not be anything else. He's holy. See, this is why the angels, watch this, they don't cry, love, 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 love. The whole earth is full of his love. They don't cry that. They don't cry power. They don't cry wrath, 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 back and forth to each other, never coming to an end, to, for all of eternity, holy, holy holy. The whole earth is full of His glory. What is glory? His glory is the revelation of His holiness. The glory is when we get to see His holiness. That's glory. Yeah. The Bible says here it fills the entire earth. How does it do that? Listen to the list of things that God deems as holy that are on the earth. We have his holy word. Listen, we have, there is a, we, we know we have our holy father. Jesus prayed, holy father, he is holy. What about Jesus Christ, who is the holy child, Jesus, a holy son, a holy ghost, holy angels. Believers are called a holy nation. Jerusalem is called a holy city. Hey, his glory is seen across about in all of the earth. His holiness is seen throughout all of the earth, and it's full of his glory. Everything the Bible says here in verse 2 and above it, 
here in verse 3, And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Verse 4, And the posts of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried, and the house was filled with His smoke. And here, and here Isaiah is watching this whole scene unfold. Could you imagine the power? Could you imagine the noise? Could you imagine just, just the awe and the grandeur? and the indescribableness of God who is there. And then he goes on to say that the, the room shook at the voices of these, of these seraphims. The whole room was full of smoke. What else could Isaiah say but woe is me? I tell you what, friend, if you get a glimpse of God, you will get an accurate glimpse of yourself. And we get an accurate glimpse of ourselves. I'll tell you what, we'll be able to be more rightly related to God than ever before. Yeah. I'm talking about in fellowship. In Revelation chapter 1, John saw and heard the Lord Jesus. You know what he did? He fell at his feet as we're dead. No, he passed out. And an angel had to come and touch him. What a scene, huh? High and lifted up, almighty, supreme, powerful, control. Oh, I like this one. Beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, we worship our God and He is worshipped in the beauty of His holiness. Listen to Psalm 29 too. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, He says. Psalm 69 and verse 9. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before Him all the earth. An old, an old uh, writer of years and, and uh, decades and gone by said this. Power is God's, power is God's hand or arm. Omniscient is God's eye. Mercy is God's delight. Eternity is God's duration. But holiness is God's beauty. It speaks of his, it speaks of, of, of his visage and what he looks like. He's beautiful. He's beautiful. I say this often. It's been a while maybe. But we have walked away from things that are Beautiful. Our world is, I'm telling you what, beauty is not a wrong thing, it's a wonderful thing. Beauty is a godly thing. Beauty is a godly thing. Whether it's our own physical, have you ever noticed how, how, how this world, and it's so sad what the world has done to people, how unbeautiful they are now? People that you can tell are attractive, have marked up their body and pierced their body and done all these things to their body, and they've made themselves just not beautiful. Right. We worship God in the beauty of holiness. Our music ought to be beautiful. Our life ought to be beautiful. Everything about us ought to have a beauty to it. Why? Because our God is beautiful. He's a beautiful God. Right. This is who He is. This is who God is. He is holy. This is who purchased us. Our holy God, a holy God purchased us who sits in the heavens in control of everything that is, who holds everything together by the word of His power. Yeah. He purchased us. This is who adopted us. Yeah. Who said, I love you and I want you. This is who pursued us. The holy God pursued us. 
This is who loves us. Yeah. What a picture of our God, amen? He is holy. He is holy. This is who he is, right? Obviously, everything that flows out of him, his works are holy as well, right? He's a pure eyes and to behold evil, the Bible says, over in Habakkuk, I believe it is, and canst not look upon sin. He's holy. He's pure. He's undefiled. When his very own son uh, hung there on Calvary's cross, he, when, when uh, you know, the, the sin came upon the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible said he turned his back. Why? Because he can't look on sin. Yeah. Why? He's holy. He's holy. Watch this in our text. You can find your way back to 1 Peter. Maybe you're still there. This is who our God is. And look what he says to us. Be ye holy. Who is ye? That's plural. That's a plural pronoun. Be ye holy. Is anybody in this room excluded? No. Is any child of God excluded from this? No. Look what he says. But as he which hath called you is holy. Don't you rejoice in the drawing of the Holy Spirit of God? who called you unto salvation. As, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy. Yeah. Be holy. Be what? Be like your Father. Be like your heavenly Father. Look at verse 14. Go back there. Look at As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. Don't live like you used to be when you didn't know better when you were outside of Christ. No, old things are passed away, right? Behold, all things are become new. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. Hey, the, 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 the one who used to own us doesn't own us anymore. We are owned by God today. And listen, that, 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 that Satan, that, that devil who used to own us, right? He has no authority and no say over our life anymore, right? He can't, hey, he has no say, right? You know what we get to do tonight? We get to act, we listen, we get to live like our Father. Wow. Not only that, we have everything within us to do it. He's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Not only that, He's indwelt us by His own Holy Spirit and made our own dead spirit alive so we can relate with Him and, and, and commune with Him and be empowered by Him and live like Him. So He says, hey, be as obedient children of who? Our Father not according to the former lust in your ignorance. Yeah, you didn't know better, but now you do. So what's he say? Be holy. In how, where? Where in our life are we to be holy? When we assemble in the church? It's amazing. Hey, we've all been there, haven't we? <laughs> right? The ride to church, right? What, what, what wasn't as glorifying as when we got into church. The ride to church wasn't as holy as when we sat down at the pew. I hope, I mean, I hope that's not the case, but hey, listen, 
We've all battled the flesh, right? And we haven't been so holy on the way to church as we acted holy when we got to church. No, when are we supposed to be holy? Where are we supposed to be holy? And what aspects of our life is to be holiness? Are, is holiness just to show up, right, when we're at church? Is it just to show up when we pray over our meal? Is it just to show up when we go out on visitation? Is, you know, no, look what it says. In all manner of conversation. That word conversation just means lifestyle. What, what part of our life is to be marked by holiness? All of it. Pretty tall order, isn't it? Yeah. Why? Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Right? Why are we supposed to be holy? Because our Heavenly Father is holy. Wow. What an incredible picture we got of Him. You know what? I think one sometimes people look at holiness as like a drudgery. Maybe we ought to look at it like a gift. Because our Father is holy, we're allowed to be holy too. How many enjoyed your past life of sin? How many enjoy, how, how many enjoyed that? How many enjoyed the times when you find yourself uh, obedient to the flesh and, and sin. How many walk away from that and go, boy, that was, that was just fulfilling. I enjoyed that. No, you hated it. No, holiness isn't detrimental. Holiness is a gift. We don't have to live like that anymore. We can live like our Heavenly Father. That's an incredible thought. Absolutely it is. Like your Father in all manner of conversation. Every aspect of our life should be holy. Watch, set apart. Set apart from what? Well, set apart from the world. But the bigger question is set apart to what? Set apart unto God. Separated unto Him. Unto Him. Yeah. One writer said this. I had it in some of my notes. Literally, I think it was 20-some years ago, 20 years ago. And I forgot who said it. I can't find it anymore. But I, if, you, if this sounds familiar to you and you remember, please tell me. But they said, holiness is not a list of do's and don'ts. Holiness is rather, he said, Holy, but holiness is not a list of do's and don'ts, but rather is what I am doing holy. Is what I'm doing, is this Holy. This activity, is it set apart? Is it holy unto God? Is it, is it separate from the world? Is it something that would be identified with who God is? You're like, well, there goes eating. <laughs> no. Paul said eating can be done to the glory of God. Amen. Everything that we do is to be done to the glory of God. Manifest His holiness. So the question tonight is this. Are there things operating in our life? Are there things that we have allowed in our life that we are doing that are not holy? I 
not giving you a list tonight. Holy Spirit can do that. Watch this. If you want to rejoice during the trials of life, you can't have the... Let me read that. I wrote it down. I'm gonna, I don't want to mess this up. If you want to rejoice through the trials of life, you can't have the byproducts of this life operating in yours. Boy, I hope that made sense. If you want to live above the world, you can't be living in the world. <laughs> Boy, I should have just said that right off the bat. That would have been easier, right? Yeah. If you are allowing unholy things in your life, they, tie, they are tying you to a world that you're trying to live above and through. Right? So how do, how do we live above this life? How do we live through this life victoriously? How do we go through the trials of life rejoicing with joy in our hearts? How do we do that? Well, we get our biblical thinking right, be sober, and then we be holy. And really, holiness is really connected to thinking. Because if you start with right thinking, you will end up with right doing. So the question for us tonight is, and we're done, God is holy, and we've been commanded to be holy. Is there anything in your life tonight that is not holy? That is not holy. Can I admonish you tonight? As I've already spent time in my own life and heart, going through this in my own heart, can I admonish you tonight to ask the Holy Spirit to search you, and see if there's anything that is not holy in your life that you need to get aside and put out of the way so you can live above, so you can live above the world that you're trying to rejoice in in spite of the trials, right? Would you ask him to do that tonight? Our Father, we thank you that our God is holy, our Heavenly Father is holy, that there's no spot in you, that you are light and there's no darkness in you. You are as far from sin as light is from darkness. And we thank you that our Father is holy. And I'm thankful, Father, that we, it is capable, it is a, you've made it possible for us to live holy and you've commanded us to live a holy life. Now, Father, I ask you to search us tonight. We do want to rejoice in this life we do want victory in the trials. We do want to get through the trials and the turmoils of this world with a smile and a joy in our heart that the world can't understand that opens an opportunity for us to share Christ. We want that. And so, Father, we ask you tonight to search us. Find any wicked way in us. Anything that would just not be holy. And we pray you'd help us and give us the that, that empowering that we need that you've given us to remove those things from our life and to be holy as you are. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand tonight if you would. People are praying. The instrument's going to play. Maybe the Lord has spoken to you tonight. The Holy Spirit of God maybe has put a little, little peace on your, on your heart. Maybe you just need to get alone with the Lord. Maybe nothing's come up, but you just want to get alone with the Lord today at an altar tonight and just say, God, would you search me and see if there'd be any wicked way in me? 
Would you search me and just see if there's anything that you would call not holy? Point that out to me. Well, get that out. Why? Because I want to be, be like my father. I want to be like my father. You respond to the Lord tonight. He's speaking to you. He, he wants you to do a search. He wants you to let him do a search. Would you do that? Tell you the world the world is desperately in need of God's children to be holy once again. Yeah. <clears throat> what a gift he's given us. What access he has given us. Praise the Lord. Oh, thank the Lord for that. Well, let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. And uh, have a great rest of your week. And uh, be busy about the gospel. And uh, we'll see you back here Saturday for men's prayer and visitation. And then Sunday morning, uh, we'll see you there. So, Brother Chris, would you close us in a word of prayer tonight?